Are we like? Hey, pass me a beer. Look, at least promise me you won't drink. Alcohol always leads to trouble. Hey, who wants to play drink the beer? Right here. <laughs> you win. All right, what do I win? Another beer. Just have a cup of coffee. Beer it is. Coffee. Beer. I kill for a beer. <gasps> Cheap beer and a sympathetic ear. Step right up. I... Oh, what's up, everybody? Thanks for joining the Beard House podcast. How's it going this evening? And of course, I'm Adam, your lovely, lovely host with the two idiots that I normally am with. Love you guys. Uh, Chad, hi. Hi, AT. How you doing tonight, my friend? Good, good. Jake, hi. Hello. That was a very nice introduction, Adam. Usually you're much, much meaner. I know. I tend to tone <laughs> it down. And of course, joining us tonight after a three-hour marathon, marathon live stream last night, Rod Jace, he decided after last night, yeah, I think I'll come back. I'm, I'm, I'm up for more punishment. <laughs> We're all shocked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was expecting an email today. Um, yeah, not doing it. Uh, but no, I'm joking. Yeah. What's up, Rod? Thanks for joining us, man. Good. Well, thanks for having me. Um, okay, Chad, go ahead. No, last I was gonna say last night's live stream was was awesome, and this and a special shout out to you, Rod. Your laugh is like is intoxicating so I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to this podcast it's you you just seem like a really fun guy <laughs> i'm a really fun guy yeah so. wow, wow you, crazy. Easy. <laughs> usually i get it usually i get infectious with the laugh but yeah it happens yeah i don't know it somehow sticks with me so you know <laughs> enough shit in the world if you don't laugh you're going to be crying or ready to kick somebody's ass so i laugh oh, the, the dogs agree the dogs agree there we go <laughs> Now we're going to get rid of Chad. There we go. Oh, I don't like that view. We'll go here. Um, so, well, Chad will catch us up when he gets back. But as we always do, let's go around the horn. And what is everybody drinking? Rod, guess first. What, what are you drinking tonight? Let's man? see. So what am I going to start out with? I think I'm going to actually start out with a nice scotch ale because I had the red ale last oh, night that I'm going to drink. So this is for my Catawaba Island. Seish. Seish. Scottish ale. All right. Seesh. Seesh. Yeah, 7% ABV. No, I'm okay. sorry. Yeah, 7% ABV. Uh, 18 IBU. They couldn't make it any more smaller. So, right. <laughs> and then it's, uh, they tell you, 46 degree temperature. So I'm going to let this sit here for a little bit because I actually have a cooler and it came out about 38. So, Does it have um, a on date? It has a, you know, I have updates. Yeah, don't get you upset already. <laughs> you know what? This one was actually a six-pack that I picked up when I went to Columbus as well. And it just came in fresh, but I didn't actually get a date on this one. Cool. They're out of Clinton, Ohio. And because talking to the person there, she had told me they had just come in. It was that, not like the other lady. I mean, I could tr- I feel like I could trust her a little <laughs> bit more. Um, but there is no date on it. So that is a pet pee with no date on the can yes. at all. Yeah, that's that's no bueno. Uh, Jakey Poo. Yes, yes. What are you drinking? I think I see it. I think I know what it is. You know exactly what this is. I have a Space, Space Coast. Coast. Yummy, yummy. This is uh, 5.5%, but it is a 16-ounce can. So does that mean I add like another percent or two if I drink it fast? I don't know. Um, fantastic. I like it because this is a juicy pale ale and this is if you have access i highly recommend got the three sheeps uh glassware going so i'm ready to go ready to roll 
Very nice. Ah. I, I had to send I had to send the wife a link. She wanted to watch it tonight from her hotel room. Uh, I am. She's having trouble sleeping. Yeah, right. Exactly. Hey, Chad, you're back. <laughs> Chad, what's up, man? I'm back. Chad's got a big ass bottle of something. Yes. What are you drinking, Chad? This is a uh, Deschutes Black Mirror. Mm. This is a uh, barley wine. It's uh, barley wine rich with notes of toffee and dried fruit. So rich. So rich. Cool. Big big old bottle. Obama. I am drinking uh, Crew Drive from Central Waters. Crew Drive. The old fruit pills. And my rod does have a date on it. Oh, good for that. They're better than Central State. Four oh two nineteen. Yeah, who's a a brute pills? It doesn't give Ababa, does it? Jake, you will be jelly. This is a thirteen percent. Well done, sir. Well done. I did find a date on mine. I have a seven twenty four nineteen. So I think that's pretty good. Drinking? No, I did. Oh, the Space Coast. Yes. Rod's got a, a Scottish ale. Makes me think. Oh, nice. You guys ever watch uh, Space Ghost, Coast to Coast? That's what this makes me think of. Fuck you guys. <laughs> I've seen I, I Space Ghost back in the day. I know that's supposed to answer. I was just like, you know, I was nodding. I was, I was nodding. Pre- <laughs> I just let it ride. I was waiting for his reaction to that one, and nobody says anything. <laughs> and I'm out. <laughs> you can make it happen. There he goes. He's gone. All right, I'm back. All right. Uh, well, cool. That's what everybody's drinking. Very nice. And uh, let's get on with it. <laughs> so, Rod, um, where give us the, give us the the deets. Where are you from? Where and I'm from? Give some info go. on like your channel and what you do. Okay. ASL man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rod, and I'm a Pisces. No, um, so. <laughs> Um, originally I'm from New Jersey, but I actually, uh, kind of in the Northern Kentucky, Cincinnati area now. So living out here for, since the early nineties, I guess you can say 93 or so. Um, my channel is, uh, well, anything that's linked to me online is, uh, Roger beer ventures. Uh, the website is rajbeerventures.com. The YouTube channels, Roger beer ventures, Everything along those lines with Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. The only one that isn't Rajay Beer Ventures is actually Twitter because the S was one too many characters. So it's just <laughs> Rajay Beer Venture there. So started kind of messing around with the beer stuff back in 2015. Started doing kind of some blogging type things and going to some uh, beer fest, doing some videos. Was kind of a whole reluctant to actually doing the whole beer thing. It was actually my wife's idea for me to start getting involved in it because she knew I knew a lot about beer. And back in the day, I used to actually bartend as well, but had a big infatuation with some of the uh, craft beer movement and got involved with it years ago and just kind of always was getting beer. And she was a big YouTube advocate. So she's like, you need to get a channel on YouTube and start doing some stuff. My background degrees in journalism. So that's where the blogging part came in because I already knew how to, to write and do things like that with the site was started out as a blog initially um, and just kind of went from there. And then, uh, you know, four years later, almost was it? Yeah, it'd be five years the next March. And now to the point where I've got like the uh, YouTube channel. It's okay. I mean, it's, a, it's a, just over a thousand so people or so, but beer is a niche kind of area anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but the blog actually has picked up good traction. Instagram, I think it's 
16 or 1700 followers now twitter's like 2700 i think so things are progressing and picking up nice. some and some of the beer companies actually reach out to me from time to time uh the brew association has me on their media list although i not accomplished anything yet but i am on the media <laughs> list they said they sent me an email let me know but so i'm just having fun with it all those are some impressive numbers yeah, I mean, I guess it, maybe it's my laugh. I don't know, but people seem to hang in. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's infectious. Yeah. 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 27, yeah. 27 to 1, right? I got you now on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's kind of like, you know, you go out there, you have fun. And my whole thing has always just been giving it being a straight shooter and everything and telling people, you know, what I felt about stuff. I'm not one of those guys that is going to actually like every beer they try. Like I think some people try to do and some people – um, where they're not maybe as sincere. A lot of people like me for my sincerity. A lot of times I get thanks for being an honest opinion. And I've done well connecting with people in the industry. So I've had brewers on the channel. I've had different access to get on private tours with some of the breweries and have like open invitations to come out to places. So, you know, just a great time. It's a great hobby. So what what got you into the hobby though? What, uh, you know, how did you stumble upon craft beer? Were you a beer drinker before that? Ah, I've been a beer drinker since I was like six, I think. No. <laughs> I had a first sip of beer like when I was like six. But no, um, you know, as you got as I got old later on in life, high school, we drank beers here and there and did stuff and then college. But as far as like the uh, well, I go back to my college. I went to school at West Virginia, so we were like the number one party school in the nation. So we did a lot of different things there as far as partying and stuff. But later on, when the craft beer movement came. Actually, the first one I got into was actually, uh, it was uh, Ithaca's Flower Power. Um, that was like the first one that really caught my attention. We were at like a work event out of the bar, wanted a beer. And it was like, that was the first, like, it was a first IPA, really the first kind of craft beer back on the scene type beer that caught my attention. Because here in Cincinnati, we actually had breweries. Cincinnati is a big brewery heritage so we had breweries back in the 90s that actually went out of business because it was like right before the beer movement took off. So we were drinking beer then, then it kind of went down, then it came back around in the second spin and just started going from there. Very nice. You mentioned um, that uh, your honesty is something that people like, and mm -hmm. I, I totally appreciate that. When you're honest with a in, in talking about a beer, do you ever get feedback from a brewery? Saying, "Hey, why didn't you know what 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 really didn't you like about this?" Or you ever piss anybody off? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. I haven't pissed off anybody personally. I know friends that have pissed off a few people, but um, it's really just a straight up approach. I've had some of the breweries say, "Hey, we want to send you some beer to check out." And I always tell them, "You know, I'll check it out, but I'm going to give my honest opinion just so you're aware." And they're like, "Oh yeah, we definitely appreciate that." Uh, one in particular, I can say I, I knew the uh, owner who actually, yeah, I think he sold the brewery now, but he was the owner of Arbor Brewing up in Michigan. Um, and I met him at one of the beer festivals and he had me try some stuff. So one of the beers I got from them, I think it was, uh, I want to say it was like Mafika or something. It was one of their specialty beers. Wasn't really feeling it that much. And I did a review on it and I told him, I said, you know, I did the review. It's okay, but it really was one of my things up there. And he was like, he was cool with it. He's like, yeah, we know you're not going to like every beer that a brewery does. As long as you're, like, honest about it, we always appreciate that because that gives us feedback that we can use going forward. The thing that I've always learned from the different breweries and the people that I know that work in the brewery and the marketing areas and stuff like that is they get more upset when people just slam a beer for no reason at all. 
But if it's constructive feedback, they actually are happy about it. If they say, well, no, this one comes out. This one, there's no, like the one we talked about last night, the one I have from Central State, there was no date on it. So why was it tasting the way it was tasting? Well, if I'm getting that buttery type feel, then I know it's an older beer out of date. Now, when when that review goes up, that'll be noted in there. But it's like, that's on you for not putting dates out there for people to know when to buy these beers as well. So if you're not going to date it, then I, you know, now if I have a beer and I was going to do a review and I look at it and I say, well, you know, the date was maybe June 1st and it's like, November, I don't usually do a review on that one because it's out of that period. I wanted to taste at the time the brewery wanted them to actually have it taste um, for someone to drink that beer. But if they don't put a date on it, it's open game, you know, because we don't sure. know when the dates are supposed to be, and that's something they have to learn from that end. Um, but it's usually as honest feedback. It's I do a lot of research into things, too, so I believe if you're going to get into the craft, you have to be a student of the craft as well. I mean, I've brewed beer. I do a lot of reading about beer. Um, right now, I'm actually going through the beer Bible, even though I know a good amount of stuff I feel in it. I want to always do it to keep my skills up to speed on it. And when you're going through and you're kind of knowing the lingo and talking that lingo, it makes you stand out that much better to the brewery when they do see your feedback or they do have your thing. I just put the, uh, the video up for uh, the one from the brew kettle yesterday i think it went up and they already responded back on instagram following and liking and adding to their story from the the review and the picture i put up on instagram so you know so it's a good thing it's a great way to communicate with these guys and once you're connected in you know you give them a fair shot they give you a fair response so cool yeah that's good to get that kind of feedback from uh from a brewery we don't just not just say i mean jay probably has but I probably have. Yeah. <laughs> well, you might have a little bit of a, of a reputation that precedes you too, which which is, you know, when the breweries are coming back to you with, you know, why didn't you like it or here's some other stuff to try. You yeah. know, it's uh, from your from your social media, that's that's uh that's something I think that, you know, we're working towards to get a little bit a little better social media following so we can kind of get into that area and and have some you know, respectful feedback for breweries if we don't like a beer. So, yeah, that's really well, the, cool. The funny thing is you talk about the, like, you don't even know, like, where your reputation is sometimes with uh, where you're at in the beer world, so to speak, right? So, um, last week you guys had Afro Beer Chick on. And so I was supposed to connect with her, obviously, with the wrist injury. I didn't get to go to Pittsburgh. We were going to meet up in Pittsburgh and do some stuff. But I was on YouTube last week on another one, and it was uh, Big Daddy Porter's channel. And so he was like, hey, I was going to try to connect with you. And I was wondering why I didn't see you. Like, I didn't even know who he was in that point. It's kind of like the reputation was kind of out there because we we're like in a couple of Facebook groups together, which I wasn't aware of as well. So, you know, I think if you're doing a good thing, then having a nice reputation is nice. You never know how far the reputation goes until people start coming up and telling you, I guess. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I got I recognized one time at a subway when I was ordering a sandwich and some guy was like, hey, <laughs> what, what beer are you reviewing? I mean, this is my hometown, like in Independence, Kentucky, where I'm at. I'm like at the subway counter and I turn around and it's like a local guy. Like, you know, like thinking like who locally watches? I only have like a thousand people on YouTube, but a local guy noticed you and he's like, yeah, I watch your videos from time to time and follow you on Twitter. I'm curious what you're going to do. I like your beer reviews and stuff. And I was like, well, that was weird. That was interesting. <laughs> and then, at the same point inside, you're like, well, that was kind of cool. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. 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 If anybody ever recognizes me, it's going to be because they're going to be like, can you please just stop? Um, <laughs> I tell you though, I was really You're the one with that really tiny mouth. Yeah. That's I, was, 
<laughs> I was disappointed, uh, and I guess I'm just naive. Um, but when we were talking to Afro Beer Chick, I mean, she was awesome, and she was another person that just had a really big, um, warm, fun personality. Like it's just like somebody you want to hang out with. And you know, when she was telling us about some of the, I don't know, prejudice or places that, that she's been that she hasn't felt welcome, and I was like, damn. I was like, I know I've only been in this personally for, um, you know, sort of hardcore a couple of years, but usually I meet people that I, in the beer sort of world, the craft beer world that are pretty inclusive and, and friendly and just like talking about beer. Um, so I don't know. It kind of opened my eyes a little bit that I need to pay a little more uh, attention to other people's perspectives and that even craft beer is not immune to, you know, people that are um, not being inclusive and not being friendly. Um, so maybe I'm just lucky that so far I've just met a lot of really awesome people. I mean, sure, there's been some dickhead like breweries that, you know, it's okay if they say no and they don't want to be a part of our show. Like I get that, but just their overall response or, or how they respond, um, you know, some of them we weren't necessarily surprised. But outside of that, for the most part, I mean, people have been really awesome. Um, again, though, I, I still have a lot to learn. Yeah. Have you run into anything like that in your your beer brewery visits or anything? Uh, for me, no. Actually, I have. You know, I like some of the stuff because Afro Beer Chick, she was on my channel uh, a few weeks ago as well, um, and we went through some different things and we had kind of talked about some of the conversations that she ran into, and I know other people that have as well, but I have not really ran into that. Um, I guess it's a matter of maybe it's a point where you're at going to a lot of the places, how you, I don't say how you handle yourself or anything like that. Cause people don't know when you just see someone walk in the door or whatever, but it's just, maybe I just walked into the right places and it hasn't happened to me as of yet, or I've known people where I was going to already or whatever it may be. But then it's hard. It's, I can understand. I can see where that does happen. Cause there's a lot of areas where that happens outside mm -hmm. of craft beer. So it's not, a surprise to me. Uh, the biggest thing that I've run into is more in seeing some of the responses that breweries kind of make to situations, you know, talking about like the founders or the situation that happened with the, um, the uh, Samuel Adams cider company, angry orchard, or, you know, kind of some of the other stuff where I can see like the lack of diversification where uh, where it comes into play and things like some of the labels they do for some of the beers and things along those lines. But I think it's also a part for, for, for Shalanda where she's not just a woman, but she's a black woman. It's a little bit different as well. Cause I know a lot of women that are white women that actually work in the industry and they get like looked down upon different things. And it's kind of like they can rain down a beer better than a lot of the guys mm -hmm. are. And then they give an answer to somebody and then someone else goes over to the guy beer tender asking the same questions. So it's like she just gave you the answer you need. It's like so her thing might have been is it's kind of like it's kind of it's packed on top of that from the from the being a woman and then being black on top of it. Yeah, she's got the double whammy. She got she the double hit, yeah. The door. yeah. Yeah. And then again, I'm like six one, three hundred, so a lot of people don't really say anything negative to me <laughs> when I'm when, when I'm right there in front of them. But for for a lot of the places it's been it's been a warm feel and I've done things where I went into breweries. And I sat down to do, I like I went up to um, Black Oyster Brewing up in Northern Ohio. And I went there and was going to just do some, uh, get some flights, do some video, do some live feeds, talking about the beers when I was in town. So I'm in there doing that. And one beer tender is like, hey, you know, the guy in the back room, he's like our lead brewer. You know, if he comes out, you know, 
might be a good connection or whatever. I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be great or whatever. So I'm there. So he actually went back and told him why I was doing it. So I'm doing everything. And he comes by and he walks by and he kind of looks over. And he walks back and he looks over again. We, we introduce himself to each other. And I told him what I was doing. And he's like, yeah, that's pretty cool. He said, yeah, you want to come in? You want to do a live stream? And we'll sit down and do some stuff. He sat down with me for two and a half hours. We did a live stream from the brewery. And people were online asking questions and just talking about how much they love being able to have a brewery, you know, a brewer sit down there with me, go through this stuff. He kept it real honest. We talked about the ins and outs, the goods and the, the good and the bad stuff. And some of my other buddies afterwards, they were like, messing me. like, I can't believe you had a head brewer sit down with you for like two and a half hours. So then, I mean, we, it, it just time just flew. We just had a good time communicating. And then that's the whole way I look at it. I look at it kind of like you're going out, you're making friends, you're just having fun. So, yeah. That's been our our experience as well, uh, with these with the brewers and owners. Time definitely flies when you're talking to them. You get into it. You're asking the questions. <laughs> yeah. It's mm-hmm. always super interesting to hear. I mean, of the ones we've done, the answers have all been different. You know, for, I mean, we usually ask them some of the same questions, and it's always interesting to hear their point of view on you know how they started, why they started, what they think is tough about it, you know, all that stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, that, that's been along along the same experience as us too. It's it's been fun. It's always interesting the backgrounds of some of the brewers that have come in from just different aspects. Like one of the brewers I met, you know, he used to be a chemical engineer, and another one used to do this, and it's just like. It's like, you know, just come from all different walks of life. One of the guys in the financial world got tired of doing that. Always wanted to have a brewery, so he did the brewery thing. So, yeah, yeah, or like we were uh, interviewing Central Waters up in Amherst, and. <laughs> They were interesting because you know they've been at it for so long that they they almost feel like um, it's a little bit harder now because they're not new <laughs> and they're like how did this happen to us or or even the lakefront guy you know he'd been in the business for such a long time um, and the the Central but, Waters guys were saying that the tough thing for them is that they'll put out you know uh, a, a the brute pilsner and mm-hmm. other brewers would be like wait you put out a that's not central waters central waters is barrel aging they don't do you know they, they right. get that reaction because they've been in it so long and they're known for this and when they do something that they're not known for people kind of like wait well, why are you doing that you know and so for them it, they were saying it was just kind of one of those things was kind of weird like they've done a good job with their brand but it's almost like it's too set in stone and they gotta like try and break out of it a little bit well yeah which they're doing i mean there's some other stuff they're coming out with is off the wall kind of stuff. But you know, one of the things I really liked talking to them was, um, you know, I had thought, and and I, again, I'm very naive, but um, I had thought if there's like a trend and there's a popular trend, like it can't be that terribly difficult, um, whether it's, you know, a, a brute or a hard seltzer or a sour, whatever, how difficult is it or a low ABV or, or a, you know, a NA to, to hurry up and, create your version of you know what is the trend um but i think when we were talking to central waters they did a great job of talking about how you know yeah they pilot stuff but they really have to put their money into beers that you know they can sell you around and seasonal and they can ramp up and control the the cost of producing and they know what they're going to make on and it's you know it's not easy to just keep following trends following trends following trends that's kind of exhausting yeah i think if you follow trends you you kind of almost put yourself into a trap at some point because you're just trying to chase everybody else. And I appreciate the breweries that try to bring out the different things, but kind of have like their base models as well. 
um you know they kind of stick with what they kind of know they're like we have urban artifact here which is blowing up through ohio and in kentucky um I don't know if you guys get them when you're at. Yeah, I know they're distributing across state lines in different states now, but they're main known for wild and sour ales. So they make different styles just using wild and sour. And it's it's built that thing. So if you come to Cincinnati and you say, I want to get like a a wild ale or a sour ale, everybody's going to say urban artifact. You know, even though other breweries are making them, they're known for and they kind of got that lockdown and they're not chasing after the other stuff. And they're able to build at the pace they need to build at as well. Sounds familiar to me. I'm I'm wondering if I've and I'm just looking through my beer history here. I you may have gotten them because they did expand it. Like I said, I know they're. I think they might be. I know they're Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana. I was thinking they might have got up to Michigan. Um, they might be in Illinois, I believe now too. What was it called? Uh, Urban artifact. Urban artifact. That's what yeah. I said. Yeah. Doesn't ring a bell, but I mean, there's so many beers out there at this point. Yeah. That's all a matter with distribution channel you can get in with because they control where the beers go now. Yeah. I, I always thought it'd be interesting if it was possible to get a distributor on. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I don't know how forthright they would be, but um, to get at those different levels and even have, you know, we have a guy, um, you know, Beer Bazaar. He said he would come on. He was a, a bottle shop around here that, you know, trying to hit all levels. You know, yeah. I, I've definitely had conversations with, uh, with the the owner of Beer Bazaar about distributors and you know he he much would much rather get the beer directly from the brewery mm-hmm. and there's a lot of breweries mm-hmm. that do self distribute so you know he, that happens but he gets super frustrated with distributors you know one time I walked in there and I I walked in there and I was looking for I think it was a Revolution beer and I said well I was just over in you know Libertyville a few miles away and they had you know the the Death Vanilla Death. Mm-hmm. Like they had to, the distributor told me they they weren't going to have any for a couple months, you know. And he has he has Lion the same distributor as this guy. You know? so he was like pretty much he walked. He's like he checked me out and then picked up the phone. I'm pretty sure he was calling the distributor. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, side think about how hard more. it is. Go ahead, Jake. For him, I mean, he's trying to sell. You know what makes his store so awesome is is the ability to. Go in there and buy a single can, single bottle of any, you know, four pack, six pack. Um, but as Adam's talking about, like we've been in there before talking to to the owner, and he's basically saying how some of these distributors are like working with the mafia, and he mm-hmm. can't get shit unless he commits to, you know, a large purchase of something else. And you know, if you think about it, I mean, I understand those people are trying to make their money too, so it is what it is. But that's really hard for a, a business of his size with his sort of business model to, to continually fight that battle with those distributors. Yeah. Well, I would definitely say if you can get a distributor on you, I, I did um, one of our guys locally here, Dina distributing. I had him on for one of the shows and we had a great chat about distribution and some of the beers that were under his umbrella and how they have to move things and go through the state laws and all that kind of stuff. He distributed mainly in Ohio though. Um, he's one of the smaller, newer distributors, but Anytime you can make those connections, I think it's great to bring that value and help people understand because it is that three-tier system they have that causes issues, although some states are kind of playing around with it now where you have breweries that can self-distribute, so to speak, at the brewery on things too. But um, they definitely have We've seen some um, breweries 
it, it seems to us that if you're not sort of a medium large to large uh, craft brewer, it, is it getting harder and harder to distribute across state and sort of open up new markets? Is it is it seeming like as we sort of approach what seventy five hundred, eight thousand, mm-hmm. um, that distributors are pretty locked into the 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 craft beer relationships they've already sort of made in their region and their state. Well, from my take on it, from what I've seen, I would say looking at the way it's distributed, there's a couple of things that work. One, you're having the big boys, AB and Bev, um, some of these other bigger companies that are buying into the craft beer market. You know, if you can't beat them, then buy them type situation. And when they have that much stake into a distributor, the distributors carrying the bud products plus they're carrying the natty products, which are under AB and Bev and they're carrying, you know, wicked weed or they're carrying um, some of the other ones under that craft part. Now, like we just had a platform, just under AB and Bev, they have that kind of control. So you've got like 20 of their beers on your platform, you distribute it to these stores. If they kind of say, we don't want these other two in there, or otherwise you might pull our contract or whatever it may be. You're kind of stuck to say, Hey, we're not going to lose 20 for two. So that hurts the craft brewer not along those lines. The other thing is some craft breweries are realizing they can only go so far. Uh, and I bring up the point, like when I talk to people like about Tallgrass out of Kansas, one of the things they actually noticed when it was caused them an issue, they expanded so far out in their distribution, they were not getting bought as much now because more people are going local community beers. And so they were seen as the outcast. So at one point, I think some of the craft breweries are pulling back on their distribution because they, they have to be vital when where they're at and they got to have enough of a community around them to help them survive. And the other thing is the big boys are putting a squeeze on some of the other breweries, I believe. Yeah. And I mean, and to be, con- you know, be totally honest with it, that's the distributors making their money, more money from ABN Bev. Right. You know, they're getting the volume pushed through that. And, 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 like we said before, there's only so much room on a store shelf. Right. And uh, who who was it? Was it Central Waters we were talking to that they were trying to? We had mentioned Texas with them, and they had said that the problem that they they have run into is that when they try to go into another state, distributor will will, will say, you know, well, look, I got all mm-hmm. these. Yeah, you know, I got we'll this say, brewery we'll here Texas. that does this I got kind these of... Texas breweries yeah. here. And then if I pull you in from Wisconsin, I got to let go of one of these Texas boys. Like I need to keep local right. to, to where I'm at. And so mm-hmm. they won't take on a new, a new BLA or a new brewery like that. So it, it gets to Rod's tough. point, those local distributors, you know, 80% of their truck may already be something like ABM Bev. Yeah. So they want to keep that other 20% or 15%, you know, with those local Texas, um, you know, relationships they've built in, in products that they're, local customers will recognize um yeah that, that was central waters you know and adam i remember even when we were, when we were talking to a chicago distillery and other beer companies um beer breweries it, it almost seems like i don't know in some ways minus some of the tariff stuff that's going on it might be easier to grow internationally than across state lines yeah so yeah that's think, a good thing, that's one thing that, that the u.s is doing that um Go ahead. Oh, no, I was, I was going to say, no, I was gonna say, you said the tariff, that tariff thing doesn't help either, uh, especially for the breweries that we're trying to can because they're going to yeah, get hit again there. Tariffs. Yeah. You think the, the uh, distributor? I know that it impacted, like, um, 
There's a delay on Jake's end, I think. Yeah, I'm guessing there's a delay. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead, Jed. Like, he just disappeared. <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm out of here, boys. Guys, he cut me off. <laughs> well, do you think that the uh, the distributor that you talked to was was honest with you, or at least as honest as he could be in answering your questions about how he distributes and you know how the how the truck gets filled and how the shelves get filled? Yeah, I believe I believe he was. I mean, I actually I've known him a few times. I actually. Um, here in Cincinnati, it would be on the Kentucky side. I know some of the breweries he actually represents, so I have a pretty good rapport with some of his breweries already. So I don't think he would be asking me that with that anything. But then uh, he was able to, you know, there were things I knew to ask that was going to allow him to answer in the light. Like I wasn't going to go in there sixty minutes, him, you know. So yeah. he was able. I was able to give him stuff that he was able to actually reply on. There may have been some stuff like we talk away. Off off the record on some stuff on, but it's kind of like we had a good rapport and good. Uh, bond between each other trust wise that yeah I think he shot me straight for the stuff that we were talking about for sure um well that's cool i mean that you you knew him before beforehand i think that'd be a challenge for us because i don't know i don't know personally know any distributors and yeah i don't think adam and jake do either but you know finding somebody that would be honest about how they run their how they run their business would yeah. be would be kind of a challenge if you don't know someone ahead of time i mean because oh chad Let's yeah. do an interview where it's like one of those, like you can only sh- see the, sh- the dark shadow of the person and we change their voice a little bit. <laughs> and they, t- they tell us like all the secrets. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, actually. Yeah, right. <laughs> do the voice modulation. Just, yeah, kind of give us the, uh, the real inside story. Yeah. But then at the yeah. end, we accidentally fucking turn the lights on. They're like, oh, shit. <laughs> And he jumps over the railing into the river. <laughs> yeah, that Liberty Mutual group. Exactly. Well, the one thing, the one thing I would say, you know, he, I mean, if it is something where, because he does like to get exposure out there, because he's actually handling some of the breweries from out of state as well. Like we handle like Connecticut out of the New England area. We get them down here now. He's distributing for them. He has some from other states. So if it's something, you know, after the show, or whatever, be more than happy to get his details and you can let him know that I referred you over. I'm sure he'd be more than happy to talk with you guys. Nice. Yeah. We'll, de- I yeah. Think we'll definitely, we'll definitely do that. Um, yeah. So what do you, I mean, we're not going to solve any issues here, but just wondering, what do you think not the with, future... Not with that attitude, Adam. Let's go. <laughs> all right, all right. Bye again. Um... <laughs> Forget, he's in control there, yeah, I can, I can, yeah. Um, what do you think as far as the future, I mean, the future of craft, everybody always has that question, but, you know, again, there's only so much room on a shelf in a store. Right. We already know that far and away, the majority of it is taken up by Miller, AB, uh, you know, cores and stuff. How, how do you see craft breaking through that with the distributors and, in the stores right. trying to get on the shelves to get like mainstream, if you will. Well, with, with craft in general, I've actually been more, more optimistic. I know the last few months on some of the shows we've done, people kind of asked or thought, are we on the bubble yet? Is it going to pop all this different stuff? Because you hear, you know, a brewery going down here, a brewery going down there, but you're also hearing breweries starting up as well. Right. Yeah. Um, and when you look inside the numbers, even going back through 2018, beer sales as a total went down, but craft beer sales went up. So, and if you look at it from like a pie version, the slice did get a little bit bigger for craft total, 
where it was previously. Although the pie shrunk, we're getting a bigger, bigger piece of the pie. What you're, what you're having in it is you have to look at it, the total for that sector of craft beer because there are individual breweries that have actually been down from sales from previous years. Right. And that actually has been an issue that is going to face some of them. But that's going to happen anyway because we have so many different breweries. You know, you said 7,500 out there approaching right now. Everybody's not going to make it. Everybody's not going to make the cut. And I've seen good breweries that make good beer that could make the cut. You know, we have one here. Blank Slate Brew and always been a great beer. People still here miss them not being here and occasionally someone will say, oh, I found a Blank Slate beer, you know, and they'll post it online or whatever and people start saying, oh, man, I miss that brewery. Made good beer, but they were in a bad location because I think what it became, again, going back to the community, where they sat was like down off the Ohio River, but kind of in a a business type area, right? If you're not in that community area now where people can walk up from their house, like, you know, within a five, 10 minute walk, Location is starting to matter more for craft beer. So, and the consumer, the consumer is now more of a jumpy consumer. So, you know, we talked about the trends earlier. You don't want to have to try to chase trends, but you do have to be somewhat trendy because there are people that are kind of always trying to find the next big thing. Now, there are still some out there, like one of the guys on our show, Todd, his wife, she uh, she gets mad at some of the breweries because she'll go back for a beer and they don't have it anymore. She wants them to have that base version of something, not keep changing every few weeks or every few months. Yeah. So that that is a frustrating thing when you find a beer from a brewery that you really like, you know, and the next time you go, it's out of production. Oh, that was only you know, that we only tried that one time, you know, that type of thing. Um and, and to your point, you know, the industry as a whole the craft is up. Yeah. And I think I've mentioned on the show before, I just kind of see it as the bad ones fall away, whether whether they have good beer but bad business practices, yeah, or they just have shitty beer, you know. So yeah. that's going to happen. That happens in every industry, you know. Retail it happens all the time. Places closing down, or you know, even the big boys in retail will close up shop in, in some locations. It's not doing good. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think I think I think craft is doing good. I think I think the big thing, you know, like everybody says, that pushes craft is the story. You know, and I, that's why I think not being in like a Walmart or a Target or whatever it is doesn't hurt them that bad, right? Uh, because everybody's hunting for that that local story, that local guy that you know you can kind of connect with. So, and that's a cool thing with craft beer too. Like when I go out of town, even when I go here locally, I, we talked last time about some of the places I go to. When I go out of town, I look for the independent stores the local stores like i try to put dollars back into that community i don't want to go to like the big chain i mean when i was in dallas i i had to go to total wine and more because i think that was the only thing open at the time i was actually needed to make a beer run to bring stuff back but usually i like to go to those little independent spots especially if they have like the independent bottle type shops it may cost a little bit more but i'm okay with that because i like to have that feel of that community type situation helping, helping out the small guy yeah Absolutely. Yeah, I think I mean all of us in this craft in the craft beer world are all okay with with spending more dollars on on the local stuff. Yeah. You know, than, I mean Afro than... Beer Chick, she just tweeted that what she paid how much for the four pack was it twenty seven <laughs> or something like that? Yeah. Well, I just I just paid yeah, you did. last week at Antioch. I paid thirty bucks for that four pack of Boathouse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean seven fifty a beer <laughs> <laughs> off the shelf. But isn't it funny we, though? Like. What did you pay Chad? Twenty seven or thirty? No, 30. 30. Yeah. I, well, we couldn't pack. find any cheap 
Yeah, we looked for that in other places, uh, Adam. We got that one when we were out there hunting in Crystal Lake. Yeah, they even out there, Chad, at some like gas station supermarket that you wouldn't think would have anything. It, it was thirty bucks there. Yeah. So I don't know how they keep that up everywhere, but anyways. But it is it is kind of funny though, like how you know we look at the prices and we go to buy them at a store, or whatever. And granted, you think you're going to buy it to be cheaper, but it's like I can't believe I'm going to pay maybe this or that for that. But then you're at a bar or a restaurant dinner, or whatever. Oh, it's like nine dollars for a pint. All right, it's going to give me a pint. It's like <laughs> you don't even think of it. yeah. <laughs> and that's what and that's for like the the regular house stuff, like the light stuff. <laughs> Yeah. The summer shandy. That's why you go. You just gotta go high ABV. You know. Yeah. It's like it, it's like you know for a bottle of wine that's cheap. You know a yeah. good bottle of wine. So if it's a good beer, that's that's not a bad price. Like yeah. you can't you can't go into like a fancy restaurant and um, pay twenty five dollars for uh, their best bottle of wine, but you could do that for like their best bottle of beer. So, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. That's also why I love the single bottle, single can places because. I don't mind paying six, seven, eight dollars, even up to ten, but I don't necessarily want to buy four of them. Like, right. give me one. You don't, let me you mix don't it up a little bit. Thirty for four, but you'll take the seven fifty for one because if you don't like it, you're not sticking yeah. the three extras. Yeah, and I wouldn't yeah. have. I wouldn't yeah. normally have sprung thirty bucks for a four pack like I did the other day, but that's you a pretty rare it. find. So you knew what you knew what you're getting those. So yeah. Well, fun. we've had that. We've checked that out. We knew that was good. But yeah, yeah, that one. I don't think you guys have. That's a different one. That uh, that was a rye whiskey one. Yeah, we've had it. We had it. Have you? Yeah, I think oh, we, yeah. I think we split that four pack. We split a four pack of that months ago, we, Chad. I'm glad regular, you joined the party. Yeah, thanks for joining. No, I thought <laughs> we had the regular Russian Russian style. That's what we gave you. Yeah, we gave you the yellow one. We oh, kept okay. the blue one. The rye. You had the rye. Okay. <laughs> High five. <laughs> yeah, the yellow can that I'm now missing. The even somebody, harder one to find threw, is somebody is threw the, it away. Is the barley wine? Which I have. That's right. That's right behind me. Who threw it away? Was it this guy? No, that, that, was, guy? that was Gina. Oh. <laughs> the wife. Right. Her incessant cleaning. Everything's got to be picked up. Nah, that's all right. <laughs> so in your area, Rod, mm-hmm. so talking about uh, diversity in the beer world, and I mean, in, in Shalanda and the Chicago area, you know, mm-hmm. we kind of had her take on how things were on the, in, in that section of of the country in the cincinnati area mm-hmm. how how would you how would you characterize the the diversity of beer drinkers uh, i mean as a as a black man going out to a to a bar or a brewery or anything in your area what what do you what do you see uh pretty much the same i mean it's still kind of the the low number out there i mean it's on occasion i can go into a place and i'll be like the only one in there um and then some spots you go to, depending on the night or whatever, there'll be a, a few a few people in there from different things, from different minority groups, from black to Asian to Latino dependent. So, yeah, and I and I'm not focusing just on just on you being a black man, but I mean as far yeah, just any you know any any uh, minority group, what what whatever it is. Yeah, I just don't. We don't see it in this area, in my area, especially unless I go into in a. Milwaukee, which is, uh, I think the the diversity in Milwaukee is is pretty good, mm-hmm. in, in what you see, 
Um, but yeah, I just, uh, just kind of want to get your take on that, see what was like in your area and as you travel throughout the country, what do you, what, how do you feel about it? Yeah. I mean, it, it depends. Like, that's a good point. Cause it depends on where you're at across the country. Like I've been to bars up in Minneapolis, which has a great diverse area. Um, and you saw all kinds of different groups, um, you know, Muslim, black, Asian, white, everybody all together in different spots and stuff. Um, Cincinnati, you know, Solanda mentioned like where Chicago, how segregated it is. Cincinnati does have segregated areas, but it also has mixed areas as well. So it kind of depends on where you may be at. So if I go to like, say, Mad Tree, which is kind of what we call our Hyde Park area, you're going to get a little bit maybe more of a mix there. Not a high number, just because you don't usually see a lot of black people at some of the breweries um, around the Cincinnati area. But if you go to Rheingeist, which is in our OTR area, which is kind of downtown, just kind of off what I would say, like the inner city type area, you'll see a higher number in there as well. So it's a matter of where the breweries are also located and what sections of town they're in that can also drive that as well. Um, because then if people want to drive out there, they will. But some people, you know, some Cincinnati inner cities, they don't have cars or they rely on the metro system, sure. the, the buses. Right. So they're not going to get out to so many other places. Um, and the good thing about some of the things around Cincinnati, when they have a lot of their festivals, all that kind of stuff, they kind of bring them down to the center parts of the city so that pe all people can actually be involved in them. Like, so the yeah. beer fest I went to a few weeks ago, that was like down by the uh, Reds and the uh, Bengals ballparks. So people were down in that area. But easily get around. We have like a uh, streetcar that would bring you right down there if you want to take the streetcar that day. It makes it kind of nice um, for people to have access to go to these type of events. And you saw a good number of different people at that event. Um, so all that kind of comes into play as well. Um, you know, my wife, she just went, she went to um, New Jersey for a conference earlier this year. And she's saying, where's all the white people? She was up at Rutgers. <laughs> so it was her and she had people from her work. She runs a nonprofit and they actually help uh, protect against housing discrimination here in Cincinnati. So it was her and the person that was with her. She was Colombian. Um, and then they had one of the other guys that went up there. He was a, he was a white guy. But it was kind of like where they were at. They were like, they didn't see the way. They saw like black. They saw Muslim. They saw Asian. They saw everything is set. And it's like, well, it's a big melting area. It also depends on where you're at in New Jersey as well. You know, because you ask me since I'm obviously from there, but that's like kind of like any areas, how everything is kind of situated. Um, now, I was, now I've, I've seen people, uh, especially on Twitter and stuff, as the diversity topic, you know, has been, mm -hmm. has been making its rounds, of course, especially in craft beer. People speculating, well, why is that? Why is it that the black community doesn't go to craft beer? You know, is it another DFH? Ooh, you get lit, son. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it is it price? Is it location? I, I have a feeling that it's a lot of it has to do with the location of where these beers are set up. Part of it is the parts location, part of it is price, part of it is the marketing of it. Um, part of it's yeah, the education, marketing. the education of it. A lot of people, you know, when it comes to some of the craft brews, they're not educated in other areas to get them involved into actually doing it. Um, economically, depending on where you're on that spectrum, you have your areas that in a, a, I say a majority of a good number, uh, maybe like black people, just like Latino, um, are lower income type situations. And even it's like some white people, you know, they can't afford to also get into some of the craft beer type thing. Yeah. So economics does play into that as well. Um, but when you look at the marketing aspect of it, 
you think about that, none of the marketing aspects, and I've actually talked with the Brew Association about it too over the last year or so, like the efforts, all that kind of stuff. And they're saying they're trying to increase diversification, but I don't really see a lot of them doing things to really do that. Because uh, it's kind of like you don't see a lot of that being marketed out in the brochures. You don't see a lot of things being placed in the communities where it can make an impact for different people of color to actually start to enjoy some of the craft beer. You think it's something like people have a stereotype in their mind, for instance, like that only thing black people will drink is malt liquor. <laughs> and if you go on YouTube and I can guarantee you pull up malt liquor videos, 95% are white guys in ski masks that are doing the, that are doing the malt liquor videos. Wait, so, so if, if, they, if they drink malt liquor, that means they, they're okay with white claw, right? That's what yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's kind of, but it's, it's been marketed that way. And, and it was a time where malt liquor was actually not marketed to black people and it was seen as this other type of beer basically that you know it was like a different level of beer you had beer yeah you your malt liquor was a little bit more higher abv but before like the 70s or so and some of the exploitation type stuff happened a lot of white people would actually drink the malt liquor and then you know they came you know got marketed kind of in the community with the billy d and the cold 45 and some of the other things over the years that kind of made this kind of shift like and people's attitudes thinking only black people are liking malt liquor, which isn't the case. Right. You know, look at your, you got, you're like, I don't see a lot of black people drinking um, the, uh, the, the beer readers, you know, those are like, I mean, so it's kind of like, you did, but yet you, I think in the back of someone's head, you may think that that might be more of the malt liquor type stuff. And it's kind of like, it's the way it's being positioned. I think that's a, that's a part of it too. And they are positioned at a lower dollar cost value. So, yeah. It, it is kind of crazy how we we take things, you know, whether it's music, clothing, beer, and we, we segment it off. You know, oh, this kind of whatever is, that's for the black community. Well, this is for the white, this is for the Hispanic, you know, and it's right. like, we can't all just, you know, I, well, drink like, and wear whatever. <laughs> I've got a question. I've, and I've got a question based on what Adam just said. And I was going to ask this ask this to Shalana last week, and I didn't quite get to it at the end of the show. What? Why? And this is not a beer question. It's just an alcohol question. What? How do you feel about Hennessy? If do you drink cognac? Because I've that's, never, that's, I, I never drank Hennessy. Do you, that's, that's, <laughs> do you know, that's the, that's known as like the black man's. Booze? Oh, I know that. I know a lot of people that do drink it. I just, I've never drank it. I've never, but why been. is that? It's marketed, do you know, it's, it's been marketed that way. It's been marketed. If you look in the magazines and you look at the different things, it's kind of being held there as the, the drink of, you know, elegance for a black person. When, when he, I don't he, know why it is, but I love Hennessy. It's, yeah. it's it, I mean, I was sitting at Atlanta airport and I just, I just, honestly, I just discovered this probably two years ago, yeah. sitting at the Atlanta airport and I ordered a, a Hennessy and the guy that served is a black guy. And he's like, Hey, the black man's drink. And he served <laughs> it to me. I'm like, what? <laughs> I didn't know that until just a couple of years ago. And I've when, had Hennessy for years. Chad mentioned this to me like the next day after we had talked to Chandra and I said, well, it's, it's, it's Jay-Z and P Diddy. They were the one doing videos, would, holding Hennessy in their videos. <laughs> like, well, that's, that's what I was going to ask Rod. Like, I mean, I, I completely follow you and believe that a lot of these sort of cultures, ideals are all shaped by corporations marketing. But <laughs> I also, is there strong ambassadors of beer um, that are public figures in the black community? Like, it's not something that, um, 
you know, I, I'm no expert on, on music, um, but it's not something that I hear in the music or, um, you know, prominent. What are you talking about? Post Malone. Post Malone is like the poster boy for Bud Light. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Seriously, it's all he well, drinks. Everywhere he goes is and, and I wish I, I would like to see, you know, more um I, I don't know, more diversity in beer, but like I can't think of anybody who Well it's funny is I mean it's funny you brought that up because I'm part of my other past life. I was actually a radio DJ when I was in college too. So um back in the nineties. So there used to be Back in, you go back into the market that we were talking about with the malt liquor. So malt liquor used to look to a lot of the rap stars to market stuff. So at a point, you did have different ones doing things. And then it was a point like early 90s when Ice Cube came out with one of his songs because he was representing St. Ives at the time. And he basically blasted them about not putting money in the communities after selling all the product and how he wouldn't represent them anymore. Um, and then after that, a lot of the other artists started stepping down from representing a lot of different malt liquor companies as well. Um, but none of the other beer ones really approached them on stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, again, that's the whole marketing type thing, but I know a lot of, you know, black people that would drink, like I say a lot of the older ones back in the day would drink like, you know, Miller High Life where they would drink. Right. Uh, and you saw Miller High Life have for a while, the one guy, he ended up dying away, but he was the black guy that was the spokesperson yeah. that would deliver stuff, right? Yeah, so those, those that, are awesome commercials. That put, that put an appeal to people that were black that also would drink. And then if you're white too, but it was kind of like, you know, it was a way for him, to, for them to kind of get a little diversity showing in their own kind of way with it. But, you know, why you don't have like some of the other stuff. Now you look at a, a, a Jay-Z, you know, he's out there pumping his... Uh, his, I think it's his vodka he has. I know mm-hmm. P. Diddy has Ciroc as well. Yeah, P. Diddy has Ciroc. But you don't really see, you see Ciroc is like a black person's vodka. And it's like really like vodka is vodka, right? Yeah, so right. it's just a different, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. but if you say Ciroc, you're thinking you're going to be at the, you know, at, a, at a, one of the upbeat like dance clubs or like that, club, you know? Yeah, club. you're going to be at the, now you're not going to be just <laughs> at the hotel bar, but people at the hotel bar will drink a Ciroc as well. Um, instead, you know, instead of maybe time to drink, you know, one of the other ones, a Sky Vodka or whatever it may be. But all this stuff, and that's my, my, as I go, my other life, my, my uh, degree journalism was emphasis in advertising. So we study a lot of the different markets and a lot of attitudes. And a lot of times marketing will shift the attitudes. It's all about making the perception because people will believe perception over truth a lot of the time. And so if you create a perception, they start buying into it. You can actually set that trend. And I think that's where it gets into so many other things that we were talking about earlier. Well, you know, I also think for a lot, a a long time, beer has been, has been looked at as the poor man's drink. Yeah. You know, I mean, not when you get into craft because you can't, <laughs> you can't afford it, you know? And, and so, you know, I'm just, I don't know, you know, maybe you were talking about people kind of representing it out there. Yeah. They, they don't want to be seen that way. So they're not going to go to a beer. But, that, but that's, again, that's the whole perception thing too. Cause exactly. when you, when you look perception. back historically, when you look back, beer was actually held by a lot of places as being, Yes. Uh, a high drink so it was kind of like people would prefer beer over wine the funniest thing i see like in craft beer is how and i bring this up on time talking to people how kind of women got pushed out of beer out of craft beer and beer in general when actually women were the ones that actually created beer used to be in beer from the whole time yeah. it actually came yeah. out and it's like all of a sudden people think this is a guy's drink but women were making this from the beginning yeah. and kind of got shoved <laughs> to the side the, the yeah. job of job of the wife back then was she'd be home making the beer and yeah. you know 
and even a lot of the early breweries, you know, even, you know, when the Americas were settled, those were run by women, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I, I think I made that comment to Shalandra too, or something. It was, that always strikes me as funny too. We kind of kicked them out in the nose and man's drink now, you know? So <laughs> Yeah. And the whole, the whole idea of the, the witch, you know, the idea of the witch, the black hat and the, the bubble and bull. The idea actually is many have thought has come out of actually back when women used to brew. When that would be like a cauldron filled oh, of wort, which is brew. Yeah, but that'd be like their wort in the side that thing, and women were actually brewing. But this whole to get women out of it that also became a stigmatism with it. Right. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It, it's. It's a little frustrating, I think, to me. Um, you know that that's kind of why I wanted this season of our podcast. You know, we're going to have a lot of women on, mm-hmm. and. Um, I think it's great to see that there are more women into beer. I, I remember my, you know, my wife. I think my wife was a prime example. She would, she wouldn't really touch a beer. It was mm-hmm. wine, you know, wine margaritas and and stuff like that before. And if she did touch a beer, it was you know the Coors Light type thing. She her saying was always the IPA is my second drink because she couldn't drink it you know right away. Now, I mean, she has a sometimes a bigger a bigger attitude toward. Coors Light, Miller Light, and Bud than, than Jake does. So she, she always she, goes for the hazy IPA right away. That's... She always goes IPA. She loves IPA. She yeah. always goes for the yeah. and stuff like that. So, <laughs> you know, it's, I think it's a perception that, that must change for, for, well, I was going to say for the survival of craft, but I mean, just society in general, <laughs> really. Yeah. You know, to, to, to improve upon that. And I'll ask you the same thing I asked Shalandra. What do you think? Uh, well, I told her we, so I guess I'll say it here. What do you think we can do to, or and breweries that you know can do to? What can we do? I know, uh, I know what we can do. Nick we can, do amazing <laughs> we can do a good amount of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. that will be very helpful, podcast, boys. Here we go. Very helpful in a lot of areas. <laughs> what can we? I got some shit done the other day. <laughs> I was so focused. I still the line from Friday. You ain't got no job. You ain't got shit to do. <laughs> Get you high today. That's right. Um, <laughs> Still one of my favorite movies, Friday. Um, <laughs> anyway, what can breweries or craft beer fans do to make other, you know, non-white guys, essentially, at this point, feel more welcome <laughs> when they come into a brewery or feel, you know, more welcome to, to buy and drink craft beer? I think it's I think it's going to come out of more... Um... Well, one is listen. So yeah. you got to be able to listen and, under, and understand when people are telling you different things and things that are taking place and understand knowing that it's not something where you may have to respond, but it might be something where listening and understanding can help to form a solution. Sometimes it's just a matter, you know, as, as women will say to their husbands, usually I just want to be heard. Right. So sometimes it's just a matter of that being enough to get some of the stuff out there. But at the same point, Breweries have to make the want to want to make that's that change themselves to kind of get out there. And there are some that do it. We we see some things, and it's not saying you have to go out there and you know fill a quota or something along those lines or anything. But you got to do stuff that makes it more 
welcoming to get people into is kind of doing some different things. You know, there's a lot of different breweries that are out there, you know, Fresh Fest that I was supposed to be at. There was New Belgium was there. Dogfish Head, I think, was there. A couple other ones that might have been there and doing different things or sponsoring stuff. I know New Belgium, I, I know they did like a brunch that Sunday, but I thought Dogfish might be there, but don't quote me that for sure. But anyway, there's other ones that pair that aren't necessarily black breweries, right? But they're doing stuff in collaboration. So if you know, like say a brewery is going to have every February, they do Black History Month, right? So if a brewery were to say, we're going to introduce, you know, one of the, the, the black breweries as a, a partner for a beer for this month at that brewery, that's going to help bring other people in. Those other people are going to come in not just to get that beer, but they're going to get the other beers you have on hand too, most likely. So being open to those ideas, doing, I always say like marketing is about like focus groups, getting people together, find out what you're missing, having panels that do that. You know, when I sit down, I talk to some of the brewery guys, it's kind of like we hit on different things and, a lot of times there's a lot of head nodding and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of a matter of putting these things together and actually getting serious about trying to make those changes. At the same point, it's not to always just, you know, blow something off like, well, thinking that someone doesn't understand your position or whatever either. Because that, like, really, I could say, could piss off a lot of people. Like, the whole the whole thing, and I don't know if you're going to talk about it or not, but, like, the whole founders thing. Founders right now is pretty much not being drank and dr drinking, drunken. <laughs> consumed <laughs> consumed by a good amount Drunken. Of, yeah Drunken. by 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 a good amount of black people and i and i've been in other groups where there are like black craft beer drinking groups where someone opposing a founders and that person gets slammed up and down the thread <laughs> like what are you doing it's like why are you showing the founders in here but and there's like some people didn't know they didn't know the whole story behind it sure. um now for me i'm actually in another group where I actually know the person that filed that claim against founders um, who had mentioned some of the stuff that happened. I also know people that are in Michigan that went to founders and said some of the feedback they had when they went there and how they were looked at and how they felt they were treated versus what they were seeing other people get treated. So for me, founders isn't something I would actually bring up on my channel anytime in the foreseeing future, as far as any reviews, anything about them at all, really. Um, at the same point, if somebody drinking founders, I can't really attack that person for drinking founders. But for me, that's where my principle actually lies to that point. And I and I was a big fan of a lot of their beers. I loved a lot of their beers they actually have. But I'm just not. It's, it's got to. You draw the line at a certain point. Jacob Downey, cheers, Rod. Cheers, Jacob. But and I and I, and I talk about founders. Like one of the things I talk about the whole thing on their situation from the incident and a lot of it's being more relayed out there. Now there was actually a great craft attorney um, up in New York who was tracking the case on Twitter. And so he was posting all the stuff from the briefs and what they all meant. So people could actually follow around on the thread and see what was going on there. Oh, nice. And you know, some of the stuff he was posting, that kind of stuff is kind of like, they kind of put that person in a position that pretty much said, if that person were to go in either way, it kind of was going to basically turn him against the rest of the company. So it was almost like he had his hands tied on how he could even answer some of the stuff that founders tried to put on him. But I look at what they did in that situation versus Dark Horse, who had a situation with an employee that did some stuff. I think it was either on Instagram or Facebook when a post or whatever. And Dark Horse quickly responded to that. And that guy was terminated basically it's like that's not something we're going to tolerate and when that happened i was like well anybody i was going to send the founders i'll send a dark horse you know I'll, I'll get more dark horse beers to show them more support so rod is is that the issue not so much that something happened because the reality is probably every decent sized company has some good people and some not so good people and, mm -hmm. and people 
Um, so is the reality not so much that something happened, but that they just didn't have a strong, positive response to especially, you know, the black community? Like, is that your issue with founders? Um, it was the situation that happened, the way it happened, and the way they actually handled the situation, and how they pretty much took the action they took kind of from everything that I've read and I've seen and talked to people about how they kind of put it back onto the person that was filing the claim against them. Now, yep. the par parts of that claim have already been cleared to move forward. So the case isn't over. That judge has already said these can go forward because founders did not act in the best intention in that judge's belief. So parts of the case are going forward, but there was one part of it and said, well, if you know we didn't fire the people and we asked the person and they said they didn't want them fired like what are you is the person going to say that you want them fired because then what everybody else in the company's going to be against them mm -hmm. if they say yeah i want that person fired but obviously that person doesn't want to be around those people that attacked them and a right. company and a company would not put that or should not put that on an employee that's supposed to be an hr decision mm -hmm. and then and then they come out and they said they hired a head or a leader of diversity but no one has seen this person. No one has heard this person. This person has been out there, but they said they hired a person that was supposed to be addressing some of these things. But you would think if you did that, wouldn't you get that person out in the front line on stuff? When you make a big announcement, when you get, you know, so it's kind of like. Like they were checking a box. Back. Like, look, we did it. We're good. Right. Like, like this, this person. Was it genuine? I mean, yeah. for all we know, he could have been uh, Tay Al, Tay Al's girlfriend or whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's back up and pause. <laughs> pause and back up one second because not everybody. Hold on, rewind. Everybody, well, not everybody may be aware of, of what happened completely. And, and I'll even admit that I don't know the full story. I remember reading some about it, but I didn't really keep following as obviously as much as as you did, Rod. So yeah, if you can, in your best abilities, summarize. The complaint well, and what what happened at Founders, just so you know, people who are listening to me and I have no idea what we're talking about. Well, with Founders, there was a situation where I'm trying to bid the best way. One of the one of the black employees there was going to go was applying at later. He was applying for another couple positions that he gotten passed over. He felt that he shouldn't have been passed over on. But at the same point, there was some other stuff that was happening where there have been some comments made about the black person. Um, you know, we have two different printers, one for black, one for white type things. Some other stuff that was there, a couple inward type things happened. And founders, even though they the guys admitted that they had done it, they actually didn't fire the people that actually done it. They kind of put it back on that person and say, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to fire him? So who's, who's he gonna say, go ahead and fire him? And then all the other employees make his life a living hell if they're friends with these guys, right? So HR kind of put that, and they're like, well, we asked him. He said, don't fire him. That's stupid. It's stupid. You don't ask an employee that kind of thing. Well, and so then, it's not the employee's decision. <laughs> right. I mean, right. That's a, but that's how they tried to frame it. I could right. probably come up with several people at work I'd love to see fired. <laughs> right. <laughs> <You know? Come on. <laughs> don't ask me that question. I'll point some people out. Yeah. And so it's like, you see there's a wrong here. You know, so you what, maybe a written reprimand or something like that and everything, but it, it was just felt like it wasn't handled to the right satisfaction there. And then they kind of tried to push it back. And then once it became the light and everything, they tried to kind of still put a half-ass apology out there, kind of. Um, and it was just got this whole thing kind of snowballed now. So people are like, why drink with founders, you know, for black people? You know, they don't 
respect the person that was here. They're not doing all this kind of stuff. So for us, a lot of people have just cut off ties with, with buying founders. Now, granted, I don't know how big that's going to hit them when the in the in the, uh, in the uh, budget because like, as we know, like it's not like black people dominate the craft beer sales, but yeah. people are taking it to other businesses, you know, spending dollars in other places, and it's just. It's not just black people though. Now more people are finding out more about it, and like you know, when there's stuff being posted, like on Twitter and stuff, there's a lot of other people that are finding out that aren't black that are starting to pull dollars away. Um, so that kind of is starting to become a little bit of an effect along those. But you know, they're 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 actually uh, what is it? Mouse Saint Hill. Which one owns them now? That's like thirty percent because they're not they're under another company now too. Yeah, they, it wasn't they can't, they can't be considered craft anymore because right. they own more than 25%. Over 25, yeah. 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 And you know, it's, it's funny, one of the guys that made the beer fest could like go here and connect with a lot of these guys. We had actually met before and he actually is now with another brewery. He left Founders um, and I sent him an email trying to catch up with him on some of the brewery stuff. And I was like, Hey, I forgot we met last time you were founders. I'm glad you left, you know, <laughs> to reach out and talk to him about stuff. Yeah, it's, it's Sam Miguel. Yeah. 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 And, and so it's kind of like all of that, the way it was handled was really the big thing. People is, you know, it's, it's like 2019 and people are not going to still sit here to be tolerating a lot of the stuff that's happening. You know, we see all this stuff happening in the news and all these different things like that and everything. And it's just was one another one of those things and people just, just starting to draw the line, you know? And, and you know, you're, you're saying that it's not going to have an impact, which you're probably, you might be right. I mean, founders is a, is pretty large, but for people, you know, you feel like you can't do anything, right? You're helpless. You're sitting here watching whatever, whatever it is, like the founders that you are all the, all the other issues you see going on are out there, yeah. But all you can do is, well, I'm just not going to support it with my dollars in. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's something, you know. And as word spreads, I don't know we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, it was kind of when it, funny when it happens. And people were like, "Well, I got this founders now. Do I drink it? Do I drain pour it? I'm like, hell no, son. You still drink it. You just want to give them props for it. You mean, right, yeah, exactly. you, this ain't like the Nike's going to start burning jerseys <laughs> or anything. They, they, they got the your money. Left. left. Yeah, right. Save the jersey, idiot. It, it's so funny. I, I remember that, you know, when they were all doing the Nike thing uh, over cap and the guy, like, whatever, $200 pair of Jordans and he's burning them like, I'm just laughing at you because you just dropped 200 bones and now you're gonna. I would have given him 100 dollars. I would have been like, right? I'll, here. I'll take him off your hands. Yeah. <laughs> well, the funny thing is not to make it like a political type thing, but it was a thing with um, Samuel Jackson. I don't know if you saw his comments. I know they were on Facebook and some different things, and he's basically saying he had a thing where he had did stuff, and he's basically not a Trump fan, but said like he didn't care if people started burning his DVDs or. Is videotapes. I got, he's like, I got the money already. I don't right, care. Burn, burn them. <laughs> you, you already paid for it. You already, already got my money out of it. Go ahead and burn it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Blubber Sphere, two nights in a row, man. Yeah. What's up, Blubber Sphere? I assume you're at work trying to stay awake. I'm not sure this will help you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, yeah. But you know what? I Samuel Jackson, he's a different cat. I mean, as far as he's concerned, I'm totally, he's got my support. Yeah. Fuck all these Trumps on this plane. You know what I'm saying? Get them off the fucking plane. <laughs> but what did you Shit. guys think of that? What did you guys think of the Angry Orchard thing? Did you guys talk about that when that happened as well? Or I may have totally missed that one. 
with the the black couple that were like it was a oh the wedding and the whole thing. I there. saw I saw the shit that went down at GM, but that's not craft beer. It was that was a couple weeks ago. Um, a couple went to well, it was actually a couple and like eight of their friends, six of their friends, or whatever, went to Angry Orchard, and ended up happening. A guy was proposing to his future wife there. Well. They were there, and then someone said they saw. They said someone told one of the people that they stole a T-shirt or whatever, and so they came over and asked the people. They said nobody stole a T-shirt, nothing like that, and everything. They asked to check their pocketbook or whatever. They did, and they were like, so no one. Then they came back again and did it again, and the group was like, "We told you nobody did anything." They asked the whole group to, and it's like the whole thing happened and like, and they had like cameras and stuff there. They said, but they didn't check the camera. They didn't do anything. It was just kind of like this whole thing. And then when they were leaving, it was kind of like this, this happy, the, the picture they had of the people leaving, it was kind of like a happy, like down in the South type thing when they were happy to get black people off the property type situation. It was really a weird vibe. And so angry orchard came out with a big thing um, about that. Apologize that it shouldn't have been yeah. something like this happened. All kind of, and it's like, and I was like, and it was again, looked at Angry Orchard like an empty apology. It's kind of like, you know, you say this stuff, you kind of do it. They said, well, people have been, um, they didn't say like fired or terminated. They said assigned or something. They said something that was like, people were like, did you get rid of them? Or are they still there? It's like, and we were smart. Like, if you wanted to do something, this is supposed to be this woman's and this husband's, this man's happiest day of their life. You guys are a big company. You're with Sam Adams. Boston beer, y'all should be kicking in something for the wedding. You know, y'all should be doing something bigger than just trying to release some empty statement online. And people started saying they weren't drinking Angry Orchard because of it too. Mm-hmm. But I, I never understand not growing your consumer base. I, I mean, if I was out there producing something, it's for everybody. Yeah, Every, you like it. I, I like you. Let's go. I don't care <laughs> what color you are. Who you, you like split it, I like you. <laughs> you like it? Here you go. You're my friend. Yeah. What the fuck? Now, what could? What, what do you? What do you think? And it's for any anybody, not just Rod. But what could? I mean, it may be over for founders at this point. But what could founders or your orchard have done at the time, or even now, to win you back? Well, with Angry Orchard, it would have been an easy thing there. I mean, for them, they attacked this husband and wife in their group, whatever, for them, they could easily, hey, we're going to do something like this. Why don't we put in this amount for this? Or why don't we give you guys a post-reception here? You know, you and your whatever amount of friends come here, it'll be on us to kind of... That could have been an easy resolution to be made on that part after the sure. stuff they yeah, went through. Yeah, we, we done fucked up. Here, let's pay for your honeymoon. Yeah, we, like, we got the dollars. We can do that. With founders, I mean, it's a matter of that's a little bit more of a work in progress that would have to take place there. Um, I was have to say like for them, like there should be some type of funding maybe to like a, a group that would need help maybe in that community. Like they're in Michigan, right? So maybe it's something to the, I don't say like a boys girls club, whatever, maybe something where there's like education, maybe to help inner city type stuff. Maybe it's something along those lines. Maybe it's some type of networking alliance they can even do with like, maybe black people in that area or a mixed group of people where they can start to take a look at these type of things. They'd have to do something to really do outreach that try to get people back there. I like what you're saying, but I I think it's a fundamental cultural issue from their leadership down. So like you said earlier, what they really need to do is they need to hire some people that are going to be visible, responsible, and focus on changing that. 
Yeah. That's what you have to do. They I mean, can't like, just buy some, you know, community, you know, wellness by, you know, here's a check, you know, like, yeah. like I, I have to believe that your company is changing. Yeah. I mean, it's a matter of, that's kind of like an incentive. That's like something that started out. I, and then I go back to when I was a kid um, and cause I'm older than you guys, I, I believe. So when I was a kid, like Denny's had a big issue that took place. And they pretty much had to do like a whole outreach type thing. It started out, they started investing in some of the community, you know, the check or whatever like that. But then they started also bringing in people to revamp how they were because they were discriminated in some of the Denny's and stuff across the country. And so all that had to be changed over. They put people in place to make sure that wasn't taking place anymore. And that whole thing had to be kicked over. So, yeah, you would have to do something to get some other people involved somehow some type of like a watchdog type thing or people involved there to make sure things are being done properly if you want to really look at trying to nip it in the bud so what could the brewers association do i mean i they just released that diversity report and i think i had read where they they had been asked previous in previous years about diversity and they were kind of holding back and their reason they say their reason for that was because they just didn't have any way to quantify. They had no numbers around it. Well, now they have. What is that, an old wooden ship? We don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. The bullshit answer. <laughs> yeah, the Brewers Association, like I said, I've reached out to them and it's kind of like the answers and responses I've gotten back when I reached I forgot who the contact was I have for them. I have in my, my email. And it was kind of like. You don't. You don't really. You're not really getting what I'm actually going at on this point. But it's a matter of you need to get more people involved. It's kind of like if you got people that are in these communities that should be a part. You should have like a diversity council or something. You should have a group of people there that will be able to express those things as far as opportunities. For one, that you're missing if you're trying to grow craft craft beer, you're missing a lot of the different ways to actually do that. When you're not hitting on some of these other communities, there's different things that you're able to pick up along those lines. You know, one of the one of the uh, the breweries out of um, northern Ohio as well, Black Frog Brewing. I know Chris up there. You know, every fall he does a sweet potato beer, and so in a, in the black community, sweet potato is more com more common than what it is for for pumpkin, right? So how many breweries could actually capitalize in areas where they have more of a black population if they had a sweet potato beer? You know, that's something they may not have looked at. They may not even know some of these different breweries. So it's a matter of having something like that, having people in as a part of your group that are open to identify these type of things, these type of opportunities that might be out there. It's like some of the stuff that I see on some of the cans that some of the women I know that get offended by some of the stuff. It's kind of like you go back to the whole brew dog when they did the pink IPA thing, great idea and concept, but bad delivery that women yeah. slammed them saying, we, why do we need a special IPA? Hmm. You know, cause you didn't have the diversity in there with the, some of these women that it might've mattered. You didn't have the folk group in there. So it's again, it's not just a black thing. It's black, it, female, absolutely. Latino stuff. I mean, there's stuff you might be seeing on some cans that could offend some Latino population. If there's certain it's, things it's I know, I know some Latinos are like, Seeing like sometimes people in sombreros, if it's kind of like if, if it's something like outlandish or something, right? So all that it's stuff. A, it's a really play. it's a really sharp edge. Yeah, yeah. And people they have to be really really careful about it because they they think they're putting out the like you said the pink IPA, putting out a product they think is is going to uh, appeal to a certain group, 
but you're going to offend people in that group. Yeah. It's like Todd on our beer flow show we do on Thursdays tomorrow night. His wife, she comes on there once in a while and she was on there a few months ago. She's like, you should just do a show dedicated to like women and beers. Like, I'm not, I can't do a show just like this. If you want to come on here with me, Shannon, you can come on here with me and I'll do it. But for me to go out there and kind of do it that way, it could come off kind of preaching to like some of the women on how they should drink beer or what they should look for in beer. Right, yeah. You want to have a, you want to have women on that panel to actually lead that discussion. And she's like, I don't think you'd be preaching. It's like, trust me, the way it could come across to other people that are watching, you know me, so you know I wouldn't be preaching, but the other people could come across that way. Well, I mean, tell her, send her our way. I mean, yeah. our next two episodes are both with women in beer. And then we have another one coming up too, Ren, who, you know, is, um, has the website beerdiversity.com, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, in, in a way, like some of the cans I see, and saying it that way sounds too bad, but you know what I mean. Some of the beer cans I see. Great <laughs> <Dre> segue. <laughs> the, the names they're using Love and cans. the imagery, imagery they're using, you just kind of sit back and like, what the hell were you thinking? Like, I know you're trying to be funny. You know, a lot of them are trying to make funny yeah. jokes, but it's like you can't make a joke at somebody else's expense. You know, when you can't, yeah. you just can't do that. And it's, it, you know, you just look back and you're like, I don't, I don't get your, where your brain's at. Well, it's like that asshole you grew up with who's like being a dick. And as soon as you call him out, they're like, it was just a joke, man. You know, like, <laughs> no, it's not a joke if the person whose expense it is is not laughing. Yeah. I think the only time it's okay for someone to make a, a joke like that is if you're a comedian on stage and you know that they're telling a joke and it's just, you know, it's just a joke. Yeah. But if you're, if you, if you make a statement or make a joke that, uh, to, you know, a group of people that, that you think are going to get it, but some aren't going to get it. That's, I mean, that's not okay. I got to yeah. give a shot. The wife is here. Hey, wifey. Hello, hello, wifey. <laughs> like season three theme. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like um, you know one of the beers against the grain. Which I met the owner a few weeks ago. A great guy. He was, a, oh, he was yeah. one of the co-owners. But they have one of their beers is the brown note. Yeah, yep. I don't know if you guys have seen it, right? Oh yeah, I gave, that, oh, that, I, I gave that beer to my uncle as a Christmas present last yeah. year. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when you got that beer, you like you marked me with it. I'm like, what the hell yeah. is that? <laughs> but I've not, I've never physically have been able to buy it. It's just like it's such a turnoff to actually. I did not drink it. it. But yeah. I didn't, and I couldn't. I don't think I could drink it. But I gave it to him because he's he's a six foot eight dude, and he always complains about, or his his wife, my aunt, always complains about how bad he smells half the time, and it's just hilarious. It was a great beer to give as a gift. But I don't know. Yeah, that was a. That's an interesting can. I couldn't drink it just based on the artwork of go. the can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like, I mean, if you're looking oh. at it, there's going to be a search start to look at. <laughs> Even though it's a cartoon, I still don't want to look at it. It's like if I was back in college, yeah, it'd be, you know, more funnier to me back then. But now it's kind of like, but you're looking at it now. If you're having it out there and you got women that look at women's not going to probably be attracted to that type of can. No. I mean, so, no. So, and some of your guys are getting turned off to it. So you're really cutting some of your segments on it and everything, you know. It's yeah. it's shock value. I, I get the humor on it, but it's yeah, it's like it's, it's like a Howard Stern type situation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Chad, I, I, I do agree with you that like, you know, if you're a comedian and you're placating into a large audience, you know, there's in my opinion, I think we're a little bit too sensitive with comedians these days. 
Oh, I, yeah, totally. That being said, you have to have more to your act than shock value to be yeah. sustainable. You know, you have to have, you can, you can shock people, but lead them back to an overall point you're making that's actually objective and intelligent. But um, if all you are is, is shocking people for laughs and alienating half the room, you ain't going to last. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and it's tough enough for comedians now, even if, even if you are doing it the right way, just because, um, but not necessarily for a bad reason. I, I just think we're trying to overcorrect um, for, you know, what you want to call it PC, me too, whatever it is. I think it comes from a good place. I just think um, sometimes we overcorrect too much. Yeah. Well, the problem we always have that, you know, it's always been an American problem. If something goes really bad, a pendulum will swing back the other way. Exactly. But it never swings back mm-hmm. halfway. It always swings back all the way to the other side. So then we we have a habit of well, always right. over over overcorrecting, over pushing to what the response should actually be. Just look at our politics and you see a lot of evidence of that. So. Yeah. Uh, Blum- <laughs> Blum- Blum- <laughs> really likes that can. <laughs> I, I knew I knew as soon as I showed you that bubble sphere, I knew you'd be like, oh yeah. Baby. If I had any confidence that it'd make it to Australia, I might send you one and I wouldn't lose all my money. Yeah, but I had like one of the women like she told me before, like, like she would never buy like um uh raging bitch from Flying Dog because yeah. she was offended by the title on that one type thing and some of the stuff. You know, which to her, with the way she interpreted some of the things, and so many other ones that are out there, where it's like, there's one that we have here um, from uh, something Dayton, thirsty. I want to say thirsty dog brewing. It's like humper, humper, humper leg or something. It's sometimes let me take a look here. On my phone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, old leg humper. Old leg humper, right? So, which are. They kind of have that humor, but it's almost like, okay, these are like stuff from like the Andrew Dice Clay days, right? So it's not <laughs> like we moved past that point now. <laughs> we all love the nursery rhymes back in the 80s, but. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to pull up a picture of this. That's decent enough, but this may be. can give you an idea. Well, I, I, I got a question for you, Rod, but I'll preface it with a story. Um, again, from Atlanta. It's not not all my stories are from Atlanta, but I just wait. Have... Hold on a second, Chad. What the hell's going on in this picture? <laughs> <That's the old laughs> I have not seen this bottle. That's the old leg humper from Thirsty Dog. Old leg humper, huh? Trying to get closer, yeah. Am I the dog in this? <laughs> no, if you have to ask yourself, you are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, Chad. Please continue. Go ahead. No, Chad. no, no. That's fine. Uh, um, so. Brittany and I were in Atlanta back in June and we were staying in a nice, a very nice area, Southwest side of Atlanta. Very, very, very diverse. Hot Atlanta. Community. Hot Atlanta. We, went, in, we went into a restaurant <laughs> that was recommended to us. Restaurant? In, restaurant. All right, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and we, so we walk in and there were, it was mostly black, some, some, Latinos or Latinx, I think they, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't totally get that IX part, but anyway, um, <laughs> we walk in, we're the only white people in there, order our food, and we were, we were welcomed with like, I felt like open arms, like people were yeah. offering, offering us to sit you, next you to ordered, them. You ordered Hennessy, didn't you? 
I did not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> he totally did. He totally did yeah. I didn't. I, it, we were, it was it was lunch. But we, I I had a beer. We weren't uh, we weren't going for the hard stuff yet. But lunch I felt has never so... stopped you from the hard stuff. I don't know what you're saying right now. Can I tell my story and ask? No, a you question? can't. No, you can't. We're moving on. No, go ahead. Sorry. My point is, we were welcomed with open arms, and I felt I felt totally welcome at this establishment. You, if you're going into a brewery, restaurant, whatever, would you like to have that same sort of treatment or do you feel singled out in that case? Or, I mean, if, like, if, if we were, if me, Jake and Adam and our significant others were sitting at a brewery, you walk in with a group of buddies and we say, Hey, come on over here, sit, sit down. Would you, would that be something that you think would help with the, um, you know, the, I guess the the welcoming part of of uh, the diversity of craft beer. You're saying like if you like if you knew if you knew us when you came in, or you're just saying, hey, come on over. No, like, if you walk into a brewery and it's a, it's full of white guys with beards and they're, like, they're uh, or white chicks or whatever, you know, would also that be beards. <laughs> white chicks with beers would that would that Beard chicks would that kind of would, mm. would that kind of thing help with with the diversification of craft beer or is it just kind of a singled out sort of thing um i think that that would probably help but i mean it's kind of like i mean when i walk into like a brewery now it's kind of that way anyway i mean i don't know it's well, you've got a really happy face. So the you're... way the fortune, I kind of yeah, yeah, happy. You got a happy face. Hey, come on over here, be happy. I kind of walk. I, you got to understand. It's kind of like you look at different things. Like so, in a lot of scenarios, like white people, I would say are used to being a minority in situations. So that was like a Absolutely. new experience for you being in that situation. Black people are used to it after a point. So you it was kind of like the adjustment. We know how to adjust and kind of do stuff. It was kind of like some of the things that how we may perceive will be different, but it's like, for me, I grew up going to Catholic school. So for, from like the first six years of school, I was maybe one of like 13 black people in the whole school from like the first through eighth grade. So I feel like I've kind of been, I've been adjusted to kind of being in those kind of situations. So it doesn't affect me as much as someone that say, maybe if they went to a school and it was 50, 50 or more dominant black on how to maybe, pick up on that because what you do is when you're in those situations you kind of get to learn from how people's attitudes are how people um communicate how they move themselves you know kind of those type of things you know one of the things kind of slightly off of this is like i look at some of these police situations that happen and a lot of times you have different groups that come together in these situations so some people like i grew up in new jersey Italians that I have friends, they're all expressive. So you talk with their hands a lot. Mm -hmm. If you're not used to that, you might think that person might be jumpy or something. So it's that lack of not being around that type of thing. But going back to your point, coming in to like, if you felt a welcoming type thing, that's always good. And you know, that happens at some of the places I go. It doesn't happen everywhere for for everybody, but it's kind of like you go in there, you walk in, you end up having a great conversation with people. A lot of times, like my wife will go to places and I'm kind of like that guy that I guess people think they always know. So it's kind of <laughs> like, we'll be somewhere and strangers come up and ask me all kinds of things and talk about stuff. And strangers from all different groups. And my wife's like, 
who are you talking to now? You're always making friends when you're out here. Like I, I was sitting here waiting on you, sitting here in the mall for the on the bench because the bets are made for the men in malls because obviously other women are shopping and the men are sitting there waiting. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like came over, started talking. It's just, I mean, it's just one of those type of things. So having that type of experience would be great. I mean, I always get, I always think it's funny when they go to a grocery store now and people don't say please or thank you anymore or excuse me and stuff like that and everything. Mm-hmm. So I mean, sometimes I'll go in the store and I know somebody's trying to get by and I'll just stand there and make them wait until they speak up and say like, Oh, excuse me or something. You know, like <laughs> you're not going to say anything. I'm going to stand here the whole time <laughs> just to make them do that. But yeah, I think being welcoming like that makes a big difference. And I think when you probably found out when you went into Atlanta, it was like probably a big hello, how you doing? Come on in, grab a seat, blah, 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 type thing. You know, it's great. Yeah. So if you go to other restaurants, you don't really see that as much. It's kind of like, even when you see, like, we, like one time at my one job, Barry Larkin, right? Shortstop, Cincinnati Reds. Oh, yeah. So he was, a, he was, his agent used to work in the building I used to work in. So elevator opens up. I'm with one of my friends. He's white. And Barry Larkin comes off. Barry Larkin looks over. He head nods me. I head nod back to him. And my buddy's like, what was that? I'm like, what was what? It's like you just head you just head nodded with Barry Larkin. I'm like, yeah. It's like, do you know him? I'm like, no. Well, why did he head nod you? Like, it's like that's just the way we kind of are. It's just like a type of hello, how are you doing type feel. So I guess a lot of us have just had that ingrained from the time we grew up. Chad, you know, I'd recommend, um, and and you're very good at being a social person and talking to pretty much anyone. I would say I would say to you, buddy, and to really anybody out there that hears this, um, regardless if that party comes and sits with you, regardless if you know everybody starts doing shots together and making drunk plans, um, you know, just set the example. Just, just yeah, you know, be be smile, be you know, be positive, be welcoming, and not and, and not in a like what are you doing your way, but in like uh, hey, thanks for coming out way. And I'm not saying that to you; I'm just saying that rhetorically. But no, but you I, know, I learned a lot from just, that from that that one experience right there. In, in I, way. It, well, what I'm saying is, even if they want to do their own, you know, their own thing, whether it's you or anybody, um, you know, just set the example for everybody else that's already there. That like, hey, you know, everybody's welcome here. I guess, yeah. Here's yeah. here's an here's another one uh, for you. This one right here, another leg hopper. Oh, what the hell? Yeah. Can you yeah. zoom in on that? What's, it, what's the name of this one? Leg humper. Leg humper hefeweizen. Oh, oh. What's is that a bubble? Is he thinking heart? That's because I knew right there. Yeah. Now who is that one from? That's not Thirsty Dog though, right? No, that's not Thirsty yeah. Dog. Uh, Sleepy Dog Brewing in Tempe, oh, that's the Arizona. Name of the- I'm surprised they got away with that because these guys are usually pretty good on uh, catching people using the same name on stuff. Yeah. But yeah. It probably varies state by well, state. Well, the other but... one is old leg humper with no space between the. Oh, there you go. Age, yeah. So, yeah. Mm. But just the the art, like really? In between, in between the legs. In between a girl's leg yeah. with, has a skirt on looking up with a heart. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, Adam. This seems very uh, <laughs> gender neutral, I mean. Yeah. Very. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, 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 it just you just file that under. What the hell were they thinking? <laughs> how, how is that okay? It, do you is, ever you ever yeah. wonder like, okay, somebody at the company had this idea. Fine. How the hell did this get through marketing, legal, compliance? Because it's all guys. <laughs> because it's, it's, all of, it's all men. Well, it's all guys. 
You guys are all on Twitter. Follow Worst Beer Blog. You'll see oh, this yeah. like every oh, day. Yeah. <laughs> he, he put, the stuff that that that, that guy finds, or if, if it's a guy, I don't know. But the stuff yeah. he finds is just like. Uh, and we got We do have to pause here because I did hear a beer crack open. So what are you drinking? Oh yeah. So I'm actually drinking. This is from Braxton Labs, which is an, which is an offshoot of our Braxton Brewing. It's kind of like their uh, small batch stuff. So this is their French toast. Oh, get that right there. What's the ABV, Rod? Nice. This is this is ten even on this one, and oh, this man. is uh, ale with maple syrup, vanilla bean, cinnamon, and nutmeg. So it's their pastry stout. So. It's kind of a cool little spot. So they actually, um, and this one does have a date down here as well. A little smudge there. Um, they actually opened up in Party Source. I don't know if you guys follow Party Source reviews with Jo on YouTube. Um, no, I don't think so. Party Source reviews. It's, it's the part the T H E T-H-E Party Source reviews, I believe. Uh, but he's like close to me. He's like twenty minutes from me. That's like that's one of my spots where I buy beer at. But Inside his store, that's where Braxton Labs put a brewery. Um, so they do like different small batch stuff. Their main stuff is out of Braxton Brewing, which is uh, about 20 minutes across town from there. But they do some fantastic stuff. They like kind of do their experimentations there. So the problem you have with them is almost like a 450 North problem. I know you guys will get 450 North there, but you know about them is that every like few weeks they come out with a new thing. And it's like, damn it, I can't buy new beers every few weeks. Yeah, right. Yes, but this is one I wanted to try because I do like maple syrup and uh, like a like a nice stout. You know, stout's probably my second favorite style behind Belgian ales. Mm. Love a good stout. Yeah, but any it's pretty beer, good. Any beer with the name of French toast has got to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that'd be a good Friday morning beer review right there. That would be an awesome one. Yeah, Brad. Yeah. Uh, before we uh, inside, let me ask you: Are do you have a favorite? You know, it's been a long week. Um, looking for a drink, but not in the mood for a beer. Do you have something you reach for? Uh, well, no. I mean, usually it's mostly beer. It's funny because I actually have a bunch of liquor bottles behind me. I don't know if you can see them slide this way. I I kind of I can see them, oh, but yeah, I don't I know what those. they are. Yeah. yeah. yeah so Is there some Hennessy back there? No, no Hennessy. <laughs> 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 so this is actually one. These are actually ones I picked up at the party source where J.O. is as well. But this is like a bourbon barrel gin, which I've tried. Oh, nice. And Ooh. this is actually pretty good as well. Um, so that one is there. And then we mentioned against the grain. This is one that was actually done in uh oops, my microphone. <laughs> is that booze against the grain booze or something? No, this is actually was a brandy, but it was done in their bow and Luke barrels. Oh. And so this is a uh finished in against the grain grain bow and Luke brandy finished in craft beer, uh 55.5. ABV 111 proof. Nice. So I haven't cracked oh. this one open yet. Oh, you can send that to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm then I've got brandy's my 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 go to. Well, got... it has been, I should say. I'm getting into bourbons more, but I've got a few rums over there from when I went to Jamaica. <laughs> but this is like something else I picked up too. This is actually from Japan, and this is a uh, whiskey. It's a sherry. Right oh, here, man. this was a limited one. They had actually done this. This one was actually 
usually sold for $87 a bottle. Oh, shit. And I nice ended up... Shot. Yeah. <laughs> seems like to be a thing on this channel after last night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Stop teasing us, right? Yeah. Come on, I just asked you a question. <laughs> they, um, the party source, uh, about a month or two ago, they have a purge sale every year where they have to get stuff out of the uh, floor and get the new stuff in. So that one I ended up getting for like forty dollars. So it was like fifty percent off on that bottle. It's like I was just trying to get in tails. Like, yeah, you want to get those. So I'm looking forward to trying that one. <laughs> Blubbersphere says, "I think I love Rod." <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, both come, come, come check out the channel. We'll be doing some crazy shit tomorrow night too. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, there's no source of alcohol around this area for sure. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, especially like because I live in Kentucky, obviously. So Kentucky bourbon, right? So we have so many distilleries. I'm about ten minutes from Boone County Distillery, but we have like uh-huh. the Bourbon Trail and stuff around here too. Oh, the Bourbon nice. Trail. I've always yeah. wanted to do that Bourbon Trail. We need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not you, Chad. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not included in the bourbon trail. Chad's Chad, all Hennessy. <laughs> My man. <laughs> Actually, as far as cognac goes, I'm all I'm into Martell right now. Yeah. Uh, Martell's got some awesome stuff. I don't know why I've never done Hennessy, even like out or anything. I just never really I know about it. I know people like to try it. I mean, I've actually been out with people that have drank Hennessy, but it just just never did it. <laughs> Well, Rod, thank you so much for joining us, hanging out with us, coming on the show. We really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. This is awesome. And, uh, Thanks for having me. Do it again, definitely. I think we have a lot more to talk about. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure you'll you'll your face will end up on one of our Tuesday tap rooms. Uh, you know, if you're around, so please. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I just saw where you guys were doing that last night. So yeah, definitely. Uh... Yeah, we're Check trying to do it every there. Tuesday. We're trying to do it every Tuesday. Although we're, we can't do marathons like we yeah, do. Yeah, the three-hour marathon is that's that's a little much. I, yeah, today I got, was I got, the, I got the stink eye on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, tomorrow I got the uh, on Thursday night on my channel. I do the beer flow show with uh, Todd, who's out of Indiana, and uh, Eric, who's out of Michigan. So if you guys are around, we do that at nine fifteen Eastern. So nice. Well, again. Let everybody know where can where can they find you? Uh well probably the easiest if it's www.rajbeerventures.com. Do we still say www? I don't know. But anyway. If you go there, it has like all the links and stuff, but Instagram is Rajay Beer Ventures, uh Facebook, tw- uh Twitter's just Rajay Beer Venture, and of course YouTube, Rajayventures.com. Or it's just Rajay Beer Ventures rather. But yeah. Um Cool, man. The blog, the website, all that stuff. So, Sweet. yeah, cool, man. Well, thank you, thank you so yeah. much. Hang on, Come back one again second. soon. We're gonna do the after here. Give me one second. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone can have, and we're always gonna hang out. Hello.